Remember the passion you felt doing that particular thing you always loved to do when you were a kid? Whether it was to laugh or to love or to explore, to play or create. Those passions weren't just you being a kid. They were gifts of clarity. They're the desires of your heart authentically expressed. Hi, I'm Courtney Cole, and this is the Love Freak Podcast, where we remember who we really are and what we've come to this planet to create. It's here we make a choice, love or fear. It's here we choose to vibrationally realign ourselves with the truth of our essence, love. 528 hertz, the love frequency, which therefore allows us to realign with conscious healing, authenticity, and creativity. Don't freak out. This is your true nature. Hey guys, welcome to the Love Freak Podcast. Over the last two weeks, we have had some pretty thought-provoking conversations about our belief systems and why we believe the things that we do and where those beliefs stem from. And how we can find personal freedom by realigning ourselves with new truths that allow us to live from our most authentic state of being. And from there, we can create these beautiful experiences for ourselves as we pretty much become untouchable from these negative low frequencies that deplete our energy and harm our bodies and that cause us to create these illusions um, in our thought processes and our inner reality, which then has a direct effect on how we view our outer reality. You know, we've talked about the ego and and how it has the ability to create this separation, this duality, as it seeks to protect us from everything that's happening around us to make rational sense of it all. But I want to make myself clear here. The ego isn't the enemy, okay? The ego can be a beautiful tool, that we can use to assist us as we walk this journey. But when we let it separate us from the soul, the truth of who we are, when we rely on it to define and make sense of all that we are, I feel like that's when we get a little lost. So this week, I want to talk about the ego versus the soul. And I am so excited for you to meet my very first guest, who I think has some of the wisest insights on the ego and how we can learn to kind of decipher between the voice of the ego and the voice of the soul and how we can merge them both together to create a more honest, fulfilling experience for ourselves. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Dean Schlecht. He is a master of divinity in spiritual direction and uses his spiritual gifts to help others through active imagination therapy. And through that, they find wholeness by facing their personal truth no matter the cost, like he always says, by going beyond the ego. And he does this in his writings as well. He's written several books on this topic, one of which is called Embracing the Self, Finding Your Center, and Learning to Live Authentically. And then his newest book, Spirituality for Nonbelievers, Living in Truth, Beauty, and Love. I have done a lot of my own healing work through Dean over the years, and I can tell you right now, his work is so incredibly confronting and so incredibly healing. So I'm so excited to dive in with you today, Dean. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. You're welcome. You have a really incredible story, and you are a master of divinity in spiritual direction. That's a that's a pretty impressive title. So can you share your story with us? I want everyone to hear it. 
and kind of what led you to do the work that you do. Okay. Well, as a child, I had an insight or a conviction that I wanted to be a combination of a healer and a priest. I was um, a Catholic child in, uh, in Catholic parochial school at the time. And so I followed through on that. And in the Catholic church back then, they had what is called a minor seminary, which is um, a boarding high school kind of thing. But it's also more like a mon monastic lifestyle than a regular lifestyle. At age 13, I entered a monastic lifestyle um, at this school. And then I stayed there through four years of college and then stayed in the system through wow. the four years of graduate school that it takes to become a priest. And so I became a priest in uh, 67, did that for about six years, but it was just not a good fit. I was very lonely. I wanted connection. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, it's it just really hard for me to be a true believer. I couldn't really proclaim what they wanted me to say from the pulpit. I didn't, I ceased believing a lot of it. So I left, got married. My wife became a professor at a small university that also had a uh, seminary attached to it. So I went back to school for a couple of years to uh, study pastoral counseling and work on a doctorate. I finished all of that, except that I blew off the dissertation. <laughs> uh, so, so much for that. Uh, but anyway, after I graduated from that, I began as a psychotherapist at a um, local uh, counseling center. And I did that for a couple of years and then went into private practice as a therapist. But that spiritual dimension always was always important to me. Uh, but I wasn't clear as to how to integrate it or how to, how to understand it. But as I worked with clients, especially deeply wounded clients who were fragmented, uh, I began to get a clearer and clearer sense of what the inner workings of the psyche were all about. And one of the most important learnings that really transformed my life and my spirituality was that clients who suffered from what is now called dissociative identity disorder, or back then was called multiple personality disorder, often, and in my experience with several of them always, had a dimension to them. It was kind of like a part, but not. And that dimension was in the literature called the inner self helper. And it knew that person and their parts from the inside out. It knew how best to help them, what issues needed to be faced in what order, and was just immensely helpful. And so I began working with this aspect of them as a kind of co-therapist. And it led to very powerful, positive outcomes. Of course, seeing it in my most deeply wounded clients made me wonder if maybe everyone doesn't have that. And so I started using active imagination, which I had picked up in some of my training, to help people meet their inner wisdom. 
and it functioned in the same way as the inner self-helper did in these people with multiple personality disorder. And as I observed this inner wisdom functioning within people and helping their growth, I began to see a resonance between that presence, that energy, and different themes that I had learned in studying spirituality, mainly Christian spirituality, but also Buddhist and Hindu spirituality. And those themes became clearer and clearer as the years went on. And I've been able to integrate my original spiritual experience with what I learned as a therapist, plus what I learned from Jungian uh, philosophy or spirituality into an integrated perspective that basically now is my foundation for life. And the essence of it, the very heart and core of what I have learned is that love is the foundation of everything. And while that may sound a bit trite, it is just absolutely true. And getting that makes everything different. I, I totally agree. I, I wanna ask you a question about your when you were dealing with people with the multiple personality disorders, you know, there's, there's people that we see sometimes that um, really struggle with this, that are, are being told that they should be doing some things that are a bit wild and crazy, you know, and then you, you know, how, how are you talking to some of these people? Like how, and are you kind of learning to harness some of these voices or were the people that you were working with, were they, dealing with kind of a different aspect of the personality well it's it's a, kind of a long story but let me just get to the heart of the matter the ego fragments because of two pressures in early childhood poor attachment with the mother in the early months of life combined with very significant usually usually sexual abuse and so the psyche fragments into many ego states as a way of encapsulating the pain and allowing maximal functioning in, in very difficult circumstances. The way you work with this is twofold. You try to create a more harmonious interrelationship between parts through all kinds of family systems kind of work or just out of uh, modeling empathy and respect for all the parts, etc. And you face the history because it's it's the painful history that is unresolved that keeps energizing the splitting. And so you have to bring the history forward, which is awful usually, as well as work with the parts. And that's kind of a delicate dance. However, if you do it in conjunction with that deep self or inner self helper, it is entirely doable. It just takes time and it is very painful. And it costs a lot because the person is will end up being quite different than they ever were before. And what is obvious from all of this is that ego is a very malleable thing. You can have one or you can have many or you can have a main one and then uh, others that are kind of like shadow egos that are sort of there and not there. It becomes obvious in due time that ego itself is not quite real. It's just an adaptive strategy. Yeah, and and so so basically the the this multiple personality disorder, like a a it's a bunch of different types of 
like ego centers? Is it a splintered soul or splintered ego? In terms of the terminology used, I, my concept of soul is somewhat derived from Jungian thought. And that's different from the deep self or from ego. You might think of ego as what's at the top of the psyche that's right between the psyche and the external world. It is, it is a psychic function mm -hmm. that needn't have a particular form, but we always do create an ego form or, or an ego state. And if life is tough enough, we create several. And if it's really bad, they split off and become autonomous entities, etc. But that is at the surface of the ego. And to the degree that it has any rigidity or definition, it tends to desensitize us to the more flowing reality that comes out of the deep self. In other words, our essence, our core, is a constantly flowing expression of beauty and love that has unique qualities because of our inborn temperaments and so on, but is not definable or, can, or able to be frozen. Ego, on the other hand, is a defined sense of self that is kind of frozen and is externally focused rather than internally focused in most instances. Right. And my task, my personal task in my spiritual journey and my hope for right. those I work with is that they get it, that they realize that this self that they have put so much energy into developing and protecting is a mental construct. It's not real. It's useful, but it's not to be taken terribly seriously. And that a major part of their energy, if they want to live fully, is to look deeply within and be receptive to the energy that resides there that is pure love and at the same time, deep wisdom. Yeah. And it will teach them and guide them to a way of being that so far transcends the life that they build and that is given to them by their culture. Yeah. What do you, what do you think is the reason that we tend to build this ego? What is the point exactly that we would stack all of these thoughts and emotions on top of this beautiful ever-flowing love? Well, it's ultimately a way of self-protection. We all live in a world and culture that is risky at times, is aggressive, and in our, this country is grounded in competitiveness and rugged individualism and transactional relationships. Also, we are expected to be invested in certain beliefs and attitudes, both by our family and our culture, all of which pressures combine to make us want to be a thus and such or a something that fits in with all of those expectations and demands. It, you know, it's, it's, it's embedded in our belief system. It's uh, belief systems that come out of our spirituality. It's embedded in our cultural assumptions and belief systems, and it's driven by the way others treat us. So that we really deeply believe 
that we are individual little units trying to survive in a world where everybody else is coming up against us, or at least many are. And to let go of that is such a major shift that it just doesn't even occur to most people. That duality. I, I love I love what you're saying about how we all see ourselves as as this separate entity. Yeah. When really I, I think about this in, in like med meditation and everything, sometimes I, I always think of love as this beautiful flowing river. The truth of who we are and I see it flowing in this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful color, almost like a light. It's like this beautiful iridescent color of, of this river that's flowing. And it's down in this valley, you know, and there's there's huge mountains that we've kind of built on either side of it. And it's just having to literally keep walking down that mountain and get back down to the essence of that river. And that always feels so true to me um, in meditation and just bringing myself back to the oneness and the flow of of life itself because you're so right i mean i look at everything that i have built my life upon based off of growing up in the family i did there's nothing wrong with with my family i mean we had our problems just like everybody else um but i i built so much of my personality just seeking to make rational sense of my life and my purpose and that developed all of these beliefs about me and, and, and honestly, a lot of them being limits. Mm -hmm. And it's been really hard for me to strip all of that away and, and get back down to, to that love. <laughs> that, uh, I, I really appreciate the way you're putting that. First off, belief systems are limits. They, they constrain our vision. I don't think it's appropriate to believe in anything. I think we do our best when we hold all of our models of reality tentatively and put our real energy into experience, whether it's internal experience or external experience. And what you were describing is that river, that iridescent river that continually flows that you find is life-giving to you is exactly what I'm talking about. There's your reality. There's your truth. It can't be really, it can be described, but it can't be encapsulated in words. It can be only known by being there, by experiencing it. And as you experience it, you are transformed. You're, you are changed by that flow. Your whole, the, the whole life creation that you're building out of that is... You're, you're loving everyone. You're accepting everyone. You're one with everything. You, you have a whole different lens that you're seeing life through. Exactly. And, and people, for instance, who uh, have mystical experiences or people who have experienced the, the, the dissolving of ego through the use of psychedelics experience the same thing, that absolute oneness that it permeates everything and the knowledge that that name of that oneness is love. But it's it's like we can find that just by being. But you can find that just by being. You can, especially if you're willing to do as you're doing, where you go within and allow these metaphors to take hold of you, to allow these inner experiences to grow. Although it, you don't have to do the the, the imagination thing uh, to be there. 
it's just a lot more powerful if it is supported by these lovely metaphoric experiences. Well, and we're very visual creatures, right? I mean, the whole reason that we adopt these beliefs and these things around us is because we are visual. We're seeing things happening in front of us, so we accept those things as truth. But if you can change those visions and you can see from this vision inside of you, which might seem crazy at first because it doesn't seem like reality, right? Right everything you see in front of you that everybody else sees see, seems to be reality. So what is r reality? I mean, reality is really just the inner experience. Well, yeah, you might say reality has two faces. You have external stuff that we all sense and kind of have a consensual a reality, um, you know, the rocks and trees and whatever that's around us. And that's, you know, valid enough. But the reality that actually determines the quality of your life is the internal reality. And that is obviously somewhat unique to every individual and itself goes beyond being able to be encapsulated in defined dogmas. It is there, it will embrace you, but it is far more a relationship than a thing. Just as when you're in love with somebody, you can kind of describe who they are, uh, you know, their external manifestations and personality quirks and stuff like that. But the bonding relationship you feel, you really can't put that finally in words. You can write music about it, uh, you can write poetry, but you just have to let go into it to really know that relationship and that other person. And that knowing transcends the methods the ego has for encapsulating stuff and making plans and figuring stuff out. So the spirituality that you have grounded in your inner experience is a spirituality that has vitality to it, that it isn't just a set of ideas. It is an embrace by something that you know is powerful and transcends you that welcomes you to a deeper level of being than you could ever achieve through intentionality. It, it invites you to surrender to let go into the stream and then be swept away by it. Trusting, letting go, being open. And you say this this presence that, that embraces you, you know, like y you and I both, we, we have kind of grown up in, in the Christian world and I, you know, I was very involved in, in the Christian church and we think of, of God almost as a, as a person <laughs> that is um, sitting in the clouds in heaven with the, you know, his, his lightning bolt and, and doing his thing up there in heaven, you know, and then we think of Jesus and do, when you think of this embrace, do you think of a person or do you think of this? Is that something that, you know, we go to um, our ego kind of uses to, uh, personify everything or do you see this as an energy of a frequency fundamentally it is an energy uh, it is a mystery it is uh, beyond understanding 
and that is fine. But when people seek to encounter this deep self, which is what we're talking about, there's usually a transition that happens. That is, they will frequently encounter it in a personified form. A wise old man or a great mother figure or maybe a guardian angel or maybe Jesus or some other uh, archetypal spiritual figure. And they will have conversations with it and it'll teach them things and take them places and all of it beautiful and transformative. But if you stay with it long enough, usually they will fade away. The personification will, will evaporate, so to speak, and they will get used to just being in energy. And, and that energy is the energy of love, basically. And as their egos become more and more relaxed and transparent, the, the knowing and the teaching and the guidance that came from this inner wisdom then become more of a flowing intuition that they can depend upon. And some of them, if they go really deeply into the, into the self, go beyond any internal metaphors into the no-thingness, into absolute, radical, loving nothingness. And that is about as close as you get to what people think of as God as anything. I love that. I, I had a dream and, and you and I actually, I, we worked on this in one of our, our sessions. I'm going to get you to explain what active imagination therapy here is in a second, but I had this dream a while ago and it, it still, it haunts me in a beautiful way to this very day. Um, but I was leaving earth in my dream and uh -huh. I was, I was flying backwards through outer space very quickly. I, I didn't feel scared at all. Um, but I was very quickly flying through outer space. I was seeing the stars. I was seeing planets. I was just in blackness and, and I felt very comfortable. Um, and then all of a sudden I just stopped and I remember looking down and seeing my, my arms and I was just floating, but my arms went away. Like I couldn't really see my hands. I couldn't see my body. I just was. And I felt this incredible sense of compassion and love so much that like like where my heart would have been what it felt like it was exploding and and it my eyes I just I was waking up and I was crying hysterically not because I was sad but because I just felt so much love and so much acceptance and I wanted to go back to that place I didn't want to wake up Oh. You know, and and that was a, a really scary feeling, but also I wanted to be in that. And I felt like I understood from that dream a really deep aspect of what everything is, that nothingness that you're talking about. Just being in the state of love. Yes. That I'm just so glad for you. You you had a taste of reality at at its deepest purest level and you're never going to forget it no i i try to go back to that every day and i can't <laughs> um no. i i when i go to that river i can i can kind of find it but i've never been able to actually experience that um ever again and and i i i, I want to <laughs> yeah it you, you finally have to give up 
trying to get a hold of it again and just let it hold you. Mm. Let the experience just encircle you, wear it like a, uh, like a cloak. Like, oh, I know. Now I know what is. And I'm going to let that resonate in everything. Yes. And I love what you do so much because you, you take people through, through meditation, you take people into a deep place. So whether that's going back into those dreams that allow people, you lead them to different aspects of their selves. Kind of like you were saying with the multiple personalities, you, you lead them to their inner child, to their deep wisdom, to their higher self. I know that you and I have had many experiences meeting my higher self, who we call Red Dress Lady. Uh -huh. um, she always comes to me in a beautiful red dress. But um, you lead these people to these different aspects of themselves. And, and I, I can tell you right now, Red Dress Lady tells me things that Courtney Cole is not going to say on a regular basis. Like She <laughs> says things that are totally outside of, of myself. How do you lead people to that place? How and how can we get there? How can we kind of dismantle the ego a bit and and slowly get back to that love? Well, actually, it's quite simple and easy. We have the assumption that if we want to achieve some kind of profound spiritual depth, we're probably going to have to go live in a cave in a mountain for five years or something. <laughs> or, That'd be fun. <laughs> or, yeah, right. <laughs> I am inclined that way being such an introvert, but that's another story. <laughs> um, but we think that, that has, you have to do all kinds of really rigorous spiritual stuff in order to achieve that depth of connection. And actually, the opposite is true. You don't even have to try hard at all. It's right there, eager to embrace you. All you've got to do is say, I want to know and I want my truth. But you have to do it in a particular way. You can't just say, I want my truth and then figure you're going to get it. What you have to do is you have to make that intention. And then you have to relax your ego. You have to drop your guard enough that the shell around you becomes at least a little bit transparent so that you can see and hear things from within you that are ordinarily shut off. Because a lot of times we're going to try and fight the ego, right? We're going to say, no, no, no. I believe this because I've been told that this is true and, and I am not going to fight this because this is true. We will, we will cling to our assumptions. Absolutely. So what I do for folks when I introduce them to the process is first just take them through a deep relaxation process. Because when you become deeply relaxed, you drop your guard. You, you become a little bit more open, a little bit more receptive. And then I transi transition from deep relaxation to creating an inner space through the use of the floor description of a beautiful place where they can use their senses and be internally focused. And then I take them to meet their inner wisdom. It, it, and it works it, for time and again uh, with people who have never even thought about such a thing. First time we try, it's there. 
Well, it's so funny because I, I remember when I, we had our first session, I was very skeptical of because I was scared, you know, which I'm sure a lot of a lot of people are. But I remember you said, just go with your first instinct. I'm going to lead you in this meditation. I'm going to ask you to see things. And then I want you to just say what you see and just go with your first instinct. You don't have to overthink it. And I did. And um, I, I won't tell you what I saw because some people might want to take, uh, you know, do these sessions with you. Yeah. But um, what I did see when I first was holding it in my hand, what you asked me to, to see, um, I was like, wow, why am I seeing this? This is really, this is stupid. I'm, this isn't going to yeah, tell I, me Yeah, I had anything. you find a gift, I believe. A gift. Yeah, you yeah. had me find a gift and I was holding it in my hand and I'm like, it, I think it was like a, some kind of ornament or something. I'm like, why, why am I holding this? And then... <laughs> I sat, you asked me to sit with it and to feel it and to kind of be one with that or, ornament. And it opened up a whole new thing. Uh, it brought me back to this one time when I was a kid and a really painful time for me and something I experienced that I hadn't thought about in years. I mean, truly years. And I had to face that again. And that was, that was a really defining moment for me as a child. So it does work and it does allow us to see our, our splintered things that are calling us to heal. So I'm, I'm super grateful for what you do. And, and if anybody's listening to this, I highly recommend a session with Dean. I have, I have another question for you really quickly. Yeah. We talk a lot about kind of fighting the ego and, you know, getting back to the soul a bit and, I, I wanted to ask, do you look at the ego as almost like an enemy or is this something that we can work together with the ego in, in, in what ways can we do that? Like how, how do you view the ego? Yeah. Um, no, I don't, I do not see the ego as an enemy or something that has to be defeated or we have to kill the ego sort of thing. Um, yeah. I don't see that. I don't believe that at all. Uh, the ego is simply a psychic function. It is uh, part of our nature that enables us to interact with the outer world in an effective way. Mm -hmm. It uses the energies of analysis and language largely. Uh, it also is something that helps protect us from threat. That's why the ego is pretty closely connected with fear. It, it's it's profoundly useful. What happens is that because it is valuable, we start taking it too seriously. We start deciding that instead of this being a function that I enjoy and use, this is me. The perceptions and the functions of ego are all that there is of me. And that's just a mistake. Uh, it doesn't make the ego wrong or bad. It makes our stance toward the ego disruptive of the full potential that's within us. And so if I can get people to begin to realize that there is something within them that is deeper and smarter than they are, mm. we have taken a major step forward to aligning the ego or to shaping the ego into its proper form rather and letting it think it's the whole sum and substance of what matters in the psyche. Ah, um, I love that. I love that. Just 
that's how to me i can see how the soul and the ego can work together when you when you can look at it as just a part not the whole yeah that is huge and how how do you go about dismantling some of these beliefs that the ego grabs so tightly to we cling to these things you know whether i mean you look at even religion or you know people's political preference the things that really they use to define their morality define their their sense of self you know not saying that those things are wrong i'm not trying to say any of those are wrong but just dismantling them in a way to really be able to experience love at its fullest potential yeah that's a really good question and it's the answer is simple but it's really hard um somehow you have to come to the realization that your map of reality and reality itself are not the same thing mm. in other words your Whoa. your belief systems your cultural assumptions your your family traditions all of that are not the same as what is they are ways to frame reality in a way that you can talk about it and with other people or manipulate it, but they are not the same thing as what is. And so that leaves open the question, okay, if all of these things that I believe are only models and therefore constructs, how do I get to what is? And once you're willing to ask that question, once you have sufficient insight to wonder about what really is, the door has been opened and then you can begin the process of learning to be receptive to listen to your own intuitive sense that comes from your soul to honor quiet receptivity as an important way of being mm. and doing that like releases the power of ego as your main construct and makes you much more aware of the oneness of things. It feels more like a surrender. It's, it's exactly, just... it's learning to live in surrender rather than control because all of the belief systems, et cetera, are ways of control, control of your way of thinking, control of your way of being. They're all control. Absolutely. And you're, you're not going to live out of your depth unless you choose surrender as your lifestyle. Mm. I love that. And I have one more question for you. I literally could talk to you all day. You are one of the most centered human beings and someone that truly lives um, from a place of, of that, the, the seat of the soul, <laughs> I would say, um, that can really differentiate between the soul and the ego. And I, I, I look up to you so much for that. And you, you, you do a lot of writing. Your books are incredible. I can't wait to read the newest one about spirituality for non-believers. I think that's going to be so amazing. Um, but you wrote an essay that you sent to me that I, I, was, I'm, I was so honored to read. Um, and there were so many amazing things on there. But one thing that really stood out to me was you talked about success and having um, a successful, meaningful life. And I, I just wanted to, to end on this and ask, what is a successful life to you? What is success? What is a meaningful life? A successful life is a life that is filled with joy, grounded in love. 
if you're coming from that place, you have, in a sense, tapped into the ultimate treasure, and you are rich. And obviously, that doesn't have a whole lot to do with how much money you make or your social status or anything else. Those are all false treasures. The only thing that matters and the only thing that brings joy and a genuine sense of gratitude and real sensitivity to beauty is letting go into the oneness. And once you've done that, you are a success. Also, if you have gifts, and everybody has gifts of one kind or another, they will flourish most readily when they are rooted in the soil of that honoring of oneness. When love is impelling them, then your gifts will take their proper form and your own unique expression of humanity will come as a gift, both to your ego and then to the world at large. You don't, successful, does, success does not come because you have created this self that you decide you ought to be and you're gonna impress yourself or the world with it. Yes. Success comes, as you said earlier, from surrender. Letting the treasure that is your depth flow through you to others and to life. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Dean. I love that so much. I love how you said gifts, your gifts will take proper form. Um, when you surrender to that love and that knowing within you, who you actually are is that flowing river of love is that endless amount of love. We are all of that. We are all one. And when we can surrender to that, all these ideas all these gifts that that we do have they they are used for a greater purpose like you said they take proper form and we're we're able to use those gifts those instruments and create a much more beautiful fulfilling experience yeah for ourselves and everyone around us and everyone around us ah oh, i love that so much dean thank you so much for being with us today your knowledge is just unmatched. And, and I, I want to tell everyone listening right now, please go to Amazon and uh, check out Dean's writings, his most recent being uh, Spirituality for Non-Believers. Um, and Dean, if anybody wants to contact you, they can do that through your website, correct? Yeah. Yep, no problem. Cool. And you can find that at www.deanschlecht.com. And that's S-C-H-L-E-C-H-T. Thank you, Courtney. Absolutely. Thank you. Next week, I have the pleasure of speaking with a longtime friend of mine, Forrest Whitehead. He is a creator in every sense of the word. Not only is he a Grammy-nominated songwriter, but he's also a conscious creator of his reality, and he just has this ability of creating so intentionally. So I really look forward to hanging with you next week on the Love Freak Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of the Love Freak Podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. You can also follow me on Instagram at the Love Freak underscore 
Don't forget, that's F-R-E-Q. Or to find out more information, you can go to www.thelovefreak.me. Look for a new episode every Tuesday.